0: Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian.
1: Thank you all for staying. You may be seated. In today's extra credit, we'll be going over the archetypes and two example builds for the War Priest. The War Priest, the class we had previously spoke about, is the mix of the fighter and the cleric, making a rather divine fighter type of character.
0: Right. It
1: actually has a lot of interesting archetypes that allow them to be a more focused version of what they are. The Priests can be kind of a generalist and is just kind of can be good at certain types of combat, can be better at others. This kind of focused them along a certain theme.
0: So let's get right into it with the first one, Champion of the Faith.
1: Champion of the Faith is... A very paladin-like archetype. They basically get an ability akin to smite evil, except it can be smite basically any opposing alignment. So, what do they get? At first level, they get a chosen alignment. They must select one of the following as a chosen alignment. Good, evil, chaos, or law. This choice must be in one of the alignments shared by their deity. Champions of the Faith who are neutral, with no other alignment components, can choose any of the above alignments for uh, this purpose. Additionally, a Champion of the Faith must select the Blessing corresponding to his chosen alignment, even if it's not on his deity's listed domain. So that means if you choose the Chaos as your chosen alignment, that means you have to choose the Chaos Blessing as one of your two blessings. Even if it's not normally available to you, it will be now.
0: And now your Opposed Alignment will be the opposite one i.e. good opposes evil, law opposes chaos.
1: This doesn't change or replace any of the existing class features. This is just a new restriction and choice specifically for the champion of the faith.
0: I think you mean champion of the faith. (laughs) Hello. Justice demands retribution. (laughs) Alright, so we have Uther. What
1: happens? (laughs) So at level 1 you get Sacred Weapon, just like you normally get Sacred Weapon, but with a few changes. At level 4, you don't get the ability to enhance your weapon normally like a war priest can. You can't just give it certain enhancement bonuses, nor do you get subsequent increases to that ability. Instead, at 4th level, any sacred weapon a Champion of the Faith wields counts as having his chosen alignment for the purposes of overcoming damage reduction. So earlier, like I said, if you chose Chaos, at level 4, your weapon would always count as a Chaotic weapon for overcoming DR slash Chaotic. At 12th level, once per day is a swift action. The Champion of the Faith can enhance anyone's sacred weapon with a special ability based on your
0: alignment Anarchic for Chaos, Unholy for Evil, Holy for Good, and Axiomatic for Law. And it lasts for one minute.
1: You can use this ability an additional time per day at 16th and 20th levels.
0: So, pretty much, they're saying before 16th and 20th levels, you're using this for one battle of the day. Yeah, but
1: those are good bonuses, granted you're fighting the correct type of alignment. They are, so what all those do, if you don't know, is basically adds an additional 2d6 damage to any creature you hit who is the opposing alignment. If an anarchic weapon hits a lawful creature, it does an additional 2d6 damage. At level 3, the Champion of the Faith loses the bonus feat they get, but instead get the ability Detect Alignment. And this is very similar to the Paladin Detect Evil, except it's just you can detect the opposed alignment of the alignment you chose. So the example being Chaos. As a move action, the Champion of the Faith can focus on a single item or creature within 60 feet and determine whether it possesses the opposed alignment, in this case, Lawful. This acts as a Detect Chaos or Detect Evil or Detect whatever spell, and it acts as if you had studied them for three rounds with that spell. So you know, like, how many hit dice they might have and things like that yay i mean it's it's the paladin ability it's a move action so it's not like you can kind of just like wave your hand and be like
0: i know you know there's a rabbit i'm gonna follow it for a second down this trail got a question for you my uh, let's say my paladin they have like oh yeah paladins have this smite evil right when they do a damage to something they're not sure is evil my paladin always asked me is this thing evil and i was like well, we got to use your ability and he goes fine well, mm-hmm. i'll just attack it then i'm like all right give me the evil damage. Like, how do you how do you encourage them to use their their detect evil, and if they don't use it how do you not let them know whether or not it's evil?
1: Sometimes you don't need to detect something to get an inkling that they might be evil. If you smite evil on something that's evil, whether or not you know for a fact by detecting they are, it'll work but if they're not, just nothing happens
0: Gotcha. So they'll know after the attack because, uh, like, I, uh, they also have, like, he had, like, a holy weapon Whatever, he had an enchantment that does bonus damage to evil creatures, right? Holy. It is holy? I thought that yeah. was... Undi- whatever, regardless. So holy he had holy enchantment to hurt uh, evil creatures. And they would ask me, like, oh, is it evil to know whether or not they get the bonus damage. And I always felt weird just telling them because I thought that was the purpose of detect uh, alignment. Or, um, I mean, that's typically detect evil. In a situation where they want to know beforehand
1: whether or not they do something. At level 4, the Champion of the Faith gets... Smite, which is actually very—oh
0: man, I've wanted to get that for so long. Anubis looks like a cool, interesting character to play. It's actually this is a pretty good archetype. I mean, like a top—I like the idea that it's not top down; that it's like a third-person game. What Smite? The the Uh, game? (laughs) Of course, you didn't get the joke. No, not until my jokes are like such a level of stupid and dummy that you like don't even get them. They're that bad.
1: Uh, This is replacing channel energy, which I don't think is a terrible thing to lose as a war priest, because your channel energy is pretty weak, and it uses up Fervor, which you really want, because you can cast spells as a swift action, which is way better than healing for, like, 2d6. But the mechanics of Smite is actually just like Paladin. It runs off your Charisma modifier. As a swift action, you choose an enemy who is of your opposed alignment, and you add your Charisma bonus to attack rolls. You add your war priest level to damage rolls made against them. You add your Charisma modifier to your AC as a deflection bonus. And again, if it's like an evil dragon or an evil outsider, you get double the damage on the first attack. It is actually just like Smite, except it can be just your opposed alignment instead of simply evil.
0: And that's the whole archetype. This is pretty much the let's give them a little bit of Paladin flavor. And I like it. I don't think you're losing anything too bad. Or too good, I should say, for something that's not good enough. I think it's okay if you wanted to go down the Paladin level. The yeah.
1: Route. I think it's a really good one. Um, and, of course, you want to confirm with your DM, like, will this come up? Will I actually fight people the opposed alignment? Right. You don't want to choose uh, the ability to smite chaos, and you're going to be fighting, like, only lawful evil devils the entire campaign. Oh, welcome.
0: Here's our, here, <laughs> we're now going to be doing our, e- our Angel campaign. <laughs> but, no, I think it's it
1: is, is a pretty good one. It... Everything it loses, it gets something back that's comparable.
0: Angels are cool. I, I, I like the I, I like the idea that their bodies connect to their spirit, and there's like they're dead. Once they're dead, it's like, oh, they're oh, done. Oh, oh. No more bringing back from the dead. <laughs> Whoops, I killed an angel. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> My bad.
1: <laughs> so the next archetype is. You look long-
0: up to the sky. We good though? We cool? <laughs>
1: The next archetype is one I really like. It's a very roguish-themed archetype, and it's called Cult Leader. Mm. You get a lot of sneak attack-type stuff and stealth-type things, and basically it's almost as if you multi-classed rogues.
0: Draw but... a lot of circles, place a lot of candles, do a lot of sermons.
1: <laughs> so, um, right off the bat, and when you take this level, the class skills and the skill ranks per level are different. The Cult Leader adds a bunch of class skills to the list, stuff like acrobatics, bluff, climb diplomacy disguise basically most things that a rogue has except they don't get disable device which is a little bit of a problem but they do get sleight of hand they do get stealth and they get four plus their int modifier skill points per level instead of two plus their int modifier which is a huge improvement
0: yeah a double
1: yeah like two like i almost home rule like if you have a class that's two hit point or if you have a class that's like two skill points per level and you're not a wizard then you you probably, I kind of usually bump it up to four because a fighter, yeah. Because, yeah. like, fighters, they don't have, they usually don't have really high int, so they're not going to have a lot of skill points. They're like, oh, I can really literally do only one thing. So I like this. Uh, the first thing they modify is their weapon and armor proficiencies. The cult leader's proficient with all simple weapons, plus the hand crossbow, the rapier, the sap, the short bow, and the short sword, as well as the favored weapon of their deity. Uh, Normally they have all martial weapons, so this is actually restricting their list to a more roguish list. They are also proficient with only light armor and light shields. They do not get medium and heavy armor and heavy shields like the regular Warpriest does. So you're going to be more lightly armored. The cult leader does not get weapon focus as a bonus feat as a Warpriest normally would. Which is a bit of a loss. Let's see what they get back in return. Because this is kind of just like, this is a bunch of loss right here. We're losing a lot of proficiencies, we're losing a lot of armor, and we're losing weapon focus. Which means it's going to be harder to get our sacred weapon. Because we now have to take the feat for our own progression. At level 1, instead of getting weapon focus feat, instead you get well hidden. You just get a plus 2 bonus to disguise and stealth checks, untyped bonuses. You just always have a plus 2. That's okay, I guess. You're replacing a plus one on a weapon attack roll with a plus two on two different skill checks, so that's actually pretty good. That's not bad. At level three, you get Sneak Attack. The Sneak Attack scales a lot like Slayer. You get 1d6 damage every three levels instead of every two levels like a rogue. And this replaces the bonus feats you get at third level, ninth level, and fifteenth level, so roughly half the bonus feats you get. At level four, uh, you lose channel energy, but the cult leader can cast enthrall as a spell-like ability if they consume two uses of their fervor. That's a, that's I don't like that one. What does enthrall do? Uh, they kind of have to pay attention to you. You're enthralling a group of people. They pay attention to you as you cast a spell. Other people can go do something.
0: So the spell we cast on all our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this on their spell list? I don't know why. I don't really like the podcast, but I just keep finding myself subscribing and downloading each episode. And listening to it ten times over. I don't know why. This is weird
1: because they already have enthrall on their spell list. They can just prepare this spell if they really wanted to cast it. I don't, but again, we're losing channel energy, which is something I don't like on the Warpriest in the first place, so I don't mind. But it uses up our fervor, and fervors can do so much better stuff than just cast enthrall. Eh.
0: But they'll listen to you, Christian. If I could do this to my wife, I'd be a happy man. Hey-oh! <laughs> I mean, I love the, my wife, there's,
1: there's a DC associated with it, which is weird that they don't, like, explicitly spell out, like, this is the DC one half your level. So I'm guessing it's just, like, you cast the spell, so the DC is actually always going to be low. Like, mm. you actually cast a level 2 spell. That's weird. Okay. So at level 12, ooh, we get Hide in Plain Sight. At 12th level, the Cult Leader can use the stealth skill, even while being observed, as long as they are within 10 feet of an area of dim Light. You cannot hide in your own shadow. Uh, this replaces the bonus feat you get at level 12.
0: But wait, Christian... But what if, unless, unless you're Peter Pan? Unless you're Peter Pan. Your shadow disconnects from your feet, and now you're hiding in your own shadow. What's up? I just broke the game. Sun Pies will fix your game.
1: I knew I shouldn't let you play Peter Pan. I knew that was really weird. <laughs> I was like, "Why do he want to wear green tights?" And <laughs>
0: no, 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 Christian, why wouldn't I want to wear green tights? That's the. I part.
1: thought you were trying to be Link with the tunic and stuff <laughs> and the hat. Now I get it. Um, I would totally replace the bonus feat to get Hide and in Plain Sight, but this does require you to be good at stealth, which you should be as this class. I guess you have sneak attacks,
0: so that's pretty neat. This isn't my flavor. But I can see how if you're running a kind of campaign or you want to kind of be that kind of person, it's interesting.
1: The, this is something I've been trying to do, and it's pretty difficult until this was introduced, and that's being like a roguish cleric. Unless you multiclass multi-class rogue and cleric, there's no way to be like sneaky and have divine spells at the same I time. you from the shadows.
0: <laughs> from the shadows I come.
1: Like, I've tried a lot of cleric rogue multiclasses, and this actually does it pretty nicely. It's a pretty good package, I think, if you want to do that. And again, it's like the first way to actually be a divine type rogue outside of actually multiclassing. So I like it. I think it's an okay archetype overall.
0: Eh. It's okay. Not my cup of tea.
1: The next archetype is the Disenchanter. And this revolves all around, like, actually what it sounds like, disenchanting, dispel magic, things like that. Resisting magic in general. So the first thing that's altered is the list of bonus feats you can pick from. Every three levels you get a bonus feat. Instead of choosing from the regular list, they have, the disenchanter has their own list they pick from. And the options and choose...
0: It's a pretty big list.
1: The options include all the f- saving throw type feats so iron will great fortitude things like that improved counter spell skill focus and you have to choose either Spellcraft or Abjuration. duration and then every three levels they get new options they can pick a lot of stuff involving dispel magic more saving throws and stuff resolved with resisting spells
0: here's the big thing he need not meet the prerequisites for these feats that's a big thing
1: Ooh, that's, yeah, that's really good. Let me take a look at some of these, because the ones you get at level 12, one of them you need 15 ranks in Spellcraft to get Parry Spell, and you need Improved Counterspell, so you don't even need either of those. You can just get Parry Spell without meeting the prerequisites.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Dispelling Critical would require you to have Arcane Strike as a feat, which you can't take as a war priest because that is an arcane type ability or a divine caster. So now you can actually take dispelling critical, and when you land a critical hit, you can make a dispel check against someone. There's actually some really good options in here. So it's not you're not actually missing out on something really big. You're actually getting a comparable list to the first one. At level four, we're replacing channel energy again, and instead we get mystic interference.
0: This is when you're trying to listen to the radio, and all of a sudden you're getting two radio stations at once. You're like, come on! <laughs> I don't need to hear like the snow truck's intercom system get off the radio. I need to hear my Christmas cheer. I wanna hear them bells jingle, son. Ring ting tingling too.
1: So at level four, the disenchanter can channel a burst
0: of magic. it's mystic interference. Come on. It wasn't very mystic. Christmas is very mystic and magical. This where's, ain't
1: even gonna be released around Christmas. This is gonna your, be like Easter.
0: Where's your Christmas spirit, Chris? It's gone. I already opened all my presents. He <laughs> <laughs> dispelled all the magic. Oh, headphones and socks. Thanks, honey. Yeah, then clothes. I say yeah. that my wife got me headphones, and they're awesome, and they're the best. They're Bluetooth headphones. And I constantly break my headphones because I'm getting them, all the wire caught and everything. And now it's like, oh, I can't catch it any, on anything except my big old dumb dome. Awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's still a problem, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at level 4, a Disenchanter can channel a burst of pure abjuration magic to grant protection to himself and all allies within 30 feet. Affected creatures receive a plus 1 bonus on saving throws against spells and spell-like abilities for a number of rounds equal to your war priest level. It's a sacred bonus if you're good. It's a profane bonus if you're evil. Using this ability consumes two uses of their fervor ability. At eighth level and every four levels after, this bonus increases by plus one. That's pretty good. Uh, It's a flat plus one bonus. It's untyped, so it stacks with everything. Saving throws are very, very important, and you're getting a bonus on all of them. I think this is actually really good, except it consumes two uses of the fervor ability. Why do they keep doing (laughs) this? Why do you keep doing this to me, Paizo? Why? I mean, well, channel energy did, so I guess it makes sense. But this is a really good option, I think. Yeah, it's okay. The next thing they get is Banish Enchantment, and this replaces the bonus feat you get at 6th level. Which is really weird, because uh, part of the list of bonus feats you get is for 6th level, but you don't get the bonus feat at 6th level. That's, that's pretty weird. But Banish Enchantment says that at 6th level, a Disenchanter learns to focus his Mystic Interference. As a standard action, he consumed two uses of his fervor ability to target a single creature within thirty feet with a targeted dispel magic. Eh, that's I mean, that's okay. I guess. And that's that's the whole archetype. I think it's fine. It's incentivizing people who build their war priests, not necessarily for combat, but more for protection. Like this is the war priest that isn't gonna be enhancing their weapon with like flaming and going up and hitting people this is the war priest is going to sit in the back and try and aid his allies with his spells
0: i like having dispel magic here at level six uh it's a it's a good and useful ability i don't know what you can normally get it at if six is an average level to get it for people who can get it
1: yeah that's usually around when dispel magic starts coming online
0: but i like being able to use that often
1: and this is actually going to be a war priest who takes, um, I think there's an extra fervor feat. I don't exactly recall. I might be wrong on that. But if there is an extra fervor feat, this class, or this archetype would definitely be taking it a
0: lot. So on to the next one, Divine Commander. All right. I know nothing about this archetype, but the picture has a lady on a really cool black and red horse. And he's like... It's like cold outside because you can see like mist around his nostrils, but it's all glowing red. So apparently like there's like a cop around or something and it's (laughs) highlighting all the fog. I don't know what it is. Got red from his eyes, red feet, red tail, but he's black everywhere else. Oh, man. (laughs) Really cool. So there better be something here about me making my horses, nostrils, and eye glow and be sources of light. It's like headlights! Otherwise,
1: it's false advertisement,
0: Paizo. <laughs> he just looks into the darkness. It's his headlights. <laughs> Every time he blinks, you have a second of darkness, but, you know, you get used to it.
1: Great job, Paizo. 10 out of 10. Well, one thing it does accurately represent is that you do get a mount. This is a archetype focused around getting a mount and then actually leading an army uh, from the top of that mount. They actually have... A little bit of the army rules in here from i think the kingmaker campaign they they made army rules for something and there's a little bit of that in here might be an
0: ultimate combat or ultimate camp yeah ultimate something (laughs) one of the
1: ultimates (laughs) so ultimate campaign so at level one you get a mount uh it acts like a druid mount Or druid animal companion i should say And it has a lot of the rules of Cavalier where your armor check penalty does not apply to the ride checks on this mount. So it basically acts like a Cavalier's mount. This replaces Blessing. So you don't get either of your two Blessing schools. You lose them completely. Instead, get this horse or whatever mount you may choose.
0: This glowing red horse better be pretty good, Christian.
1: Oh, they do get an ability that buffs it, but that's at level 6. We'll see that in a minute. The next ability is Battle Tactician. I look forward to it. Battle Tactician is actually just like the Tactician class feature from Cavalier. So this is kind of like a war priest cavalier multi-class kind of archetype. At level 3, instead of getting the regular bonus feat you get, you can get a teamwork feat as a bonus feat. You have to choose a teamwork feat, and you have to meet the prerequisites for it. As a standard action, you can share this feat with all allies within 30 feet who can see and hear you. Allies retain the use of this bonus feat for four rounds plus one round for every two levels beyond three. Allies don't need to meet the prerequisites of the bonus feat. You can use this additional time per day at level 9 and level 15. So you don't get as many uses as the Cavalier, I don't think. So the Tactician ability, pretty neat. Uh, Hopefully you didn't want that bonus feat. You also share it with your mount, I believe. So that's pretty good.
0: Teamwork feats are cool. I think it's, it's worth it.
1: You're not just getting a feat in replace of the bonus feat you lost, you're also getting the ability to share it, so I think that's very comparable.
0: Yeah, because you could theoretically just pick a teamwork feat with that bonus feat. Now you get to pick one and it share it.
1: At level 6, you don't get uh, the bonus feat you normally get. Instead, you get the ability Blessed Mount. At 6th level, your mount becomes a creature blessed by your deity. The Commander's Mount either gains the Celestial, Fiendish... Resolute are entropic templates, which are all the templates that have to do with good, evil, lawful, and chaotic. And obviously this has to match the alignment of your deity. If you just happen to be a true neutral deity, instead of getting either of those four options, the mount receives spell resistance equal to the Divine Commander's level plus 5, as well as resistance 10 against two energy types of your choice.
0: Kind of like that better, honestly. Yeah, that's a
1: really good one. Uh, you're level plus five, and you get this at level six, so you got eleven spell resistance on your mount. How often are people casting spells at your mount? I don't know. It's true,
0: and it's like if your mount dies, I'll get another one, and you do lose the after temp- a week of mourning. Yeah, you do lose the template and stuff, but the next time you level up, it becomes a blessed mount again. Oh, or so it if does become a blessed mount.
1: If my mount dies, again a new one. It doesn't get the templates until I get until another war up. priest level. Yep.
0: So until you better hope you're not level nineteen. <laughs> you know, when you would probably run into things that would kill your mount.
1: Big Cthulhu jerks. That's a big problem.
0: Yeah. Because I, the I, higher I, level, the longer you have to wait till you get a new level. I
1: don't know. I talked to my GM about it. If, we, yeah. if, we have, if I was a level 20 divine commander, I guess that's like a pretty niche market.
0: <laughs> but we have to consider everyone, Christian. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> We here at the Trailblazer Network would like to send out a heartfelt apology you know, to all of our listeners. We are sorry. <laughs> to all our level 20
1: divine commanders, we're sorry your horse is dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we ain't sorry we said nothing because you're stupid and we're right all the time. We're never wrong.
1: Shouldn't have fought Cthulhu. Just saying.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. could have run away. Hey, your horse is crazy. <laughs> and you're crazy. And you're all dead. <laughs>
1: So at level 12, you lose another bonus feat, and instead you get Greater Battle Tactician, which is just the Greater Tactician class feature of the Cavalier. You get another additional teamwork feat as a bonus feat. You can grant your allies using the Battle Tactician ability, and now activating Battle Tactician as a swift action instead of a standard action, which is really, really
0: good. We lost a feat for that.
1: Yeah, we only lost a feat for, again, another feat, and an ability on top of another feat.
0: It's in your swift action slot now, which, remind me, do I have a lot of need for swift action? Oh,
1: yeah. The War Priest is laden with swift action. So now
0: you've got that problem. Yeah. It's a new ability, but it's another swift action ability. And it's not replacing a swift action ability, so now you are adding a new swift action, a new uh, pressure on your swift action slot.
1: But the archetype did lose blessings, which are another source of swift actions, typically. A lot of blessings are swift actions, so... Depending on what you were going to pick, maybe there's less swift actions now. Okay. The last ability the Divine Commander gets is Bless Army. You get this instead of your feet gained at 15th level. And this is a really specific one that is using the war rules that I'm not familiar with. At 15th level, a Divine Commander can raise their holy symbol and give a blessing to the army they are leading. The Divine Commander's army gains a plus one bonus to their... Something bonuses that involve armies. They're wars. OM
0: and D-fee, DV. And I was right, by the way. This is an ultimate campaign.
1: Okay. This bonus lasts for one whole battle, and it must be performed during the tactics phase of the battle. This is performed when a mass combat is not Im- imminent. The fervor is spent without granting any bonus.
0: You had to spend two fervor.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you're not using the war rules, this is actually a literally useless ability for you?
0: Yeah, you literally just lost a feat
1: yeah so I'd ask a dm like if we're not doing army rules, can I just get a feat instead, please right, yeah, <laughs> instead of just getting the ability to lose true fervor for nothing
0: no, just don't pick the archetype Christian <laughs> you're out of my campaign. I kick you
1: out, but I wanted the horse with the I wanted shadow mist or whatever shadow
0: oh, <laughs> I like that name for the horse shadow mist. I, th- I think I stole
1: it directly from Oblivion or something. Oh, yeah? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Oblivion's clever, then. So, and I'll, you, you are a thief. Oh, what do you call that? Uh, in school, they always, like, uh, your academic honesty is lacking, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you plagiarizer. So this is a,
1: I think, overall, this is a pretty good archetype. Getting a full-strength mount, getting the tactician ability... Getting the template on your mount. It's not bad. You're getting comparable stuff. If you're hitting level 15, you have to consider the fact that you're using the mass combat rules. But other than that, this is a good archetype, I think. Yeah. Again, it's just basically a multi class archetype. Cavalier slash war priest makes it possible.
0: Interesting. Nothing here that's just like, this is the worst archetype, Paiso. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> the next archetype is the Forge Priest. This is about enchanting equipment and making equipment, things like that. Right off the bat, when you take this class, you are only going to select one blessing instead of two blessings. The class abilities they give you are kind of in place of another blessing. The Forge Priest gets additional spells in their spell list that the War Priest normally wouldn't get. at f- And they're all involving protection and uh, crafting and equipment and things like that. So level 1 spells, they get Jerry, Rig, and Shield...
0: I never knew it was Jury Rig. I thought it was always Jerry Rig. No, jerry. I've learned something today. I don't know
1: why it's called that, but I'm not Googling it.
0: <laughs> Neither am I. Second, you get Heat Metal and Shatter.
1: Third level, you get Keen Edge, Quench, and Versatile Weapon.
0: Fourth, you get Wreath of Blades, and you put that on your door, and you celebrate uh, War Christmas. <laughs>
1: At 5th level, you get Fabricate, which is a really good one, and Major Creation, another really good one.
0: And at 6th, you get Mage's Sword.
1: Which is a floating sword that attacks people out of its own volition. So those are actually all pretty good spells to get on your list, and we lost a blessing for it, but what else are we getting for this blessing? At level 2, you get Forge Mastery. Second level, you add a bonus equal to half of your Warpriest level to all craft checks to make metal items, armors, and weapons. Oh, so that's really cool because it doesn't make you choose just craft weapons or craft armor. It involves all metal armors, weapons, and items, just items in general. I'm just making a, don't mind me, I'm just making a steel alchemist fire, (laughs) getting a bonus on my craft alchemy check.
0: He can also pick item creation feats for his bonus feats.
1: Which is, you know, again, we're not actually replacing anything. We're just giving the ability to choose item creation feats. At level 3, you do get a predetermined feat. Instead of being able to pick any bonus feat, you get craft magic arms and armor as a bonus feat. So if you are picking this class, you probably want to know if there's going to be enough downtime for you to actually craft things. Yeah. Make sure your DM is okay with you crafting stuff because it's actually part of the class. Right. At level 4, we're losing Channeled Energy again, and we're getting instead Creator's Bond. When a Forge Priest uses a Sacred Weapon ability with an item that they personally created, they can expend two uses of the Fervor ability to increase the bonus granted by one. Once the Forge Priest has a Sacred Armor ability, he can also use this ability in conjunction with that.
0: That's really cool. You're saving yourself some coin.
1: It's cutting into the Fervor ability again, but... If using a weapon you yourself have created, your sacred weapon bonuses are going to be one higher than they normally would be, which is cool because that means you can meet certain enhancement bonuses in few levels earlier than other war priests. Like, you might be able to get a dancing weapon way sooner than everybody else. The last ability the Forge Priest gets is Heat of the Forge, and this replaces the bonus feat you would normally get at six level. At level 6, you get Fire Resistance 5, and at level 13, this becomes Fire Resistance 10. Pretty simple
0: one. This is interesting. I don't think I've ever seen before a, an archetype built around a profession. I've had a lot of players want to be blacksmiths, and It's just interesting that now this isn't an archetype.
1: Yeah, and it's not one that like gets involved with the minutia of crafting times and materials and things like that. It's just a very simple one that says, "Hey, if you're going to be doing these rules, you're going to be crafting your own stuff. This is just bonuses to put on top of that."
0: And the art for it is a scary lady. I'm. I'm scarcely. She looks serious. There's something about her. She's got pointy shoes. She does have pointy shoes. She, it, what? She is ruining my wood floors, so I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. They point She's got, down. like,
1: the Grinch stole Christmas <laughs> war boots. It's
0: perfect. It's exactly what... Christian, that's exactly what that is. There's a lot of Christmas going on in this episode. <laughs> I'm not sure you're uncomfortable with it, but you are right. You're not wrong. But it's a woman in a uh, nice iron, almost full plate, looks like. Steel full plate. Half
1: plate. You think it's half plate? fine sure half plate sure i agree plate. don't care I agree got like a halberd or no, something we No, need,
0: we need to sit down we need to throw what kind of plate mail is this sir i'm not a
1: renaissance armor studier
0: specialist <laughs> yeah you don't go to fairs in your own armor you've created
1: i wish that'd be sweet <laughs> if i could just make armor
0: so we got one more archetype
1: last archetype is the sacred fist I guess I was wrong in the beginning when I said these are all stuff that enable new stuff. These are all just multi class archetypes for the most part, except for the disenchanter and the one we just did Forge Priest. Forge Priest. Uh, they're all multi class archetypes. This is a war priest who also wants to be a monk. You get a lot of the abilities of monk, like wisdom to your AC, flurry of blows,
0: things like that. I just had a thought. They call it a forge priest because they just got rid of the war priest part. Like, let's get rid of the war and just put in forge. But I like the idea of she, like, considers the the whole methodology of blacksmithery to be like a sacred, almost worshipful thing. I think that'd be an interesting character choice.
1: So the Sacred Fist, very similar to the cult leader, gets a bunch of class skills added to their list from the class they're borrowing from. In this case, it's monk. So you're getting stuff like acrobatics, escape artists, heal. Actually, I think heal was already there. Knowledge history, stealth, swim, sense motive. Which is actually listed twice for some reason.
0: <laughs>
1: sense motive, ride, and sense motive.
0: <laughs> they just copy. That that's what it is in the book. It power. up. Wait, is it? It's in the book. Yep. Sense motive, <laughs> ride, sense motive. You get double the bonus.
1: Sacred fist has different armor and weapon proficiencies. The sacred fish. Sacred fish.
0: Whoa! Can't wait to play that class.
1: (laughs) The sacred (laughs) fist is proficient with the club.
0: Is that like a is that like a derogatory term? Because I'm a merfolk. Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. (laughs) You humans are all the same. No, we're not. (laughs) We're very different. (laughs) it's not fair (laughs) we've literally killed each other just because we look different (laughs) we've done that a lot in history actually a disturbing amount of times
1: (laughs) the sacred fist is proficient with the club the crossbows daggers hand axes javelins comma nunchuck quarterstaff sigh short spear short sword shuriken singham sling and spear So you don't even get straight simple or martial weapon fringesies. You just get a mixture of some Eastern weapons and a lot of simple weapons.
0: I can wield the punctuation mark? What did I say? You said comma.
1: K-A-M-A, the comma. Is it pronounced Uh, differently? No, you're right. I'm just
0: making a dumb joke. (laughs) Caleb's, again, Caleb's jokes that are so (laughs) dumb that you don't, like... There must be more there. Nope, there's nothing above the surface. <laughs> that's it. It's, the... <laughs> it's like the glacier. There must be... Nope, this is a glacier that is literally only exists above water.
1: <laughs> but I heard that that's only like 20% of the glacier. The <laughs> oh No, no. It's flat. <laughs> uh, that's their weapons in regards to armors. They are not provisions with any armor or shields. When you're wearing armor, using a shield, or carrying a medium or heavy load, you lose a lot of your bonuses to your AC and your flurry of blows. At level 1, they get the AC bonus, very similar to the monk. You add your wisdom modifier to your AC and your combat maneuver defense, and you also get a plus 1 dodge bonus every 4 levels to your AC, just a flat dodge bonus. These bonuses to your AC apply against touch attacks, or when you're flat-footed. You lose these bonuses if you're immobilized, or if you're helpless, or, of course, if you're wearing any kind of armor. This counts as the monk ability of the same name, and your Warpriest levels stack with monk levels for determining the benefits. So not only is this a multi-class class, but you can multi-class this multi-class archetype.
0: Hey, bro, I heard you like multi-classes.
1: At <laughs> <laughs> level 1, they also get Flurry of Blows, just like the monk. You can make a Flurry of Blows a as furious
0: a... furious flurry. Furious! One yeah. might say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> At first. Level, <laughs> Kenshiro, stop!
0: <laughs> You're not allowed to speak the rest of this episode. Just speaking to me. Ken Shirō,
1: I'll just move on. Arm Strike, then. Okay. It's flurry of blows, just like the monk. As a full round action, you make a flurry of blows. It's literally monk. It acts like two up in fighting, but you have full BAB when you do it. This was before Unchained was released, so it's actually the old monk flurry of blows. I wish it was the new monk flurry of blows, but eh, oh well.
0: Talk to your GM. Yeah. Talk to your GM if this is right for you.
1: If you have a flurry of blows that lasts longer than one full round action, <laughs> consult a physician. Just consult a GM. <laughs> at level one, you also get the unarmed strike ability. You get... Impro-
0: <laughs> you never know when it's going to come down. I, no,
1: I have a good idea because like, you tilt your entire head up so you can actually get the tone.
0: <laughs> you need to be on the edge of your, edge of your seat because at any point... I'm going to tell you what. I'm only going to do it one more time. I'm not going to tell you what it is. What you don't know, though. It's gonna
1: do, come. I, do, I, do I do something or just accept this as my new life? No,
0: there's something you can do to stop me. <laughs> Aside from just, like, killing me.
1: Oh, okay. You shouldn't, shouldn't have said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why aren't you smiling? Unarmed Strike.
1: At first level, the Sacred Fist gets improved Unarmed Strike as a bonus feat. Use your Warpriest level as your Monk level for determining the amount of damage you do with the Unarmed Strike. So, again, you get scaling Unarmed Strike damage, just like the Monk. This replaces your focus weapon, so you don't get weapon focus for free, unfortunately. At level 3, they get the ability Blessed Fortitude. This is replacing the bonus feat you would normally get at level 3. At third level, a Sacred Fist can avoid even magical and unusual attacks with help from his deity. If he succeeds at a Fortitude saving throw against an attack that has a reduced effect on a successful save, you instead avoid the effect entirely. A helpless Sacrifice does not gain the benefits of this ability. So it's like evasion, but for fort saves.
0: Interesting. Yeah. this is unique.
1: I don't know how many fortitude saves I th- see that are reduced or diminished on a save. It's usually like an all or nothing thing. Right. So I'd have to see how many there are to get a bon- uh, benefit from this. But anyway, it's, it's pretty good. I would take that as a feat if it was an option anyway, so that's all right. At level 6, you would lose another bonus feat. And you also lose the level twelve and level eighteen feats, and instead you get a bonus style feat. Uh, you get style feats like the monk. You can choose the stuff like tiger style, crane style, things like that, but you have to meet the feats prerequisites. Again, your war priest level count as your monk level, so you can actually take most of these feats. That's okay. Again, they're forcing you to pick certain bonus feats that aren't terrible. A lot of the styles are pretty good, but they usually require you to shape your character in a certain way. Definitely. Like, the Panther style means that you're basically going to be revolving around attacks of opportunity and moving around the battlefield a lot. Monkey style infers you're going to be climbing around. Things like that.
0: Talk to me about keypool.
1: Level 70 <laughs> And he's, he's actually dead. You're not going to hear Caleb's voice for the rest of the podcast because I just killed him. With him you know. Stop laughing. You're dead. No. You, you have to complete the illusion, Caleb. You're
0: going to have so much editing to do. Whenever <laughs> I do that, the, the volume just goes off the charts. The waveforms are completely messed up.
1: At the waveforms. At seventh level, so you get the key pool ability of the monk at your level minus three. But it's a bit weaker than the monk key pool. It does give you the bonuses to your arm strike that allow you to treat your fist as magical and cold iron and whatnot, but you lose a lot of the abilities to spend your uh, key pool. The only thing you can spend it on as a sacred fist is as a swift action you can spend one point from your key pool to give yourself a plus one insight bonus to AC for one whole minute.
0: Oh look, another swift action. Uh,
1: This insight bonus increases by one for every three levels above seventh. Which is actually...
0: I think I'd rather have sacred armor.
1: Oh, yeah, this replaces Sacred Armor. Oh, so it's kind of like the same scaling as Sacred Armor, honestly. It's not that much of a loss. And an insight bonus kind of putt. I blood. lied! You lied. I
0: tricked you so that I could have one that would truly be a surprise! <laughs> <What? sighs> I, ha, ha. I've got you. <laughs>
1: Insight bonuses apply to both your touch and flat-footed AC. <laughs> I was like
0: going to do like this twenty-minute thing about you falling in my trap. But you're like, if I don't recognize that he did it, it won't encourage him. We can just move on.
1: The next ability they get is at level nine. <laughs> it's miraculous fortitude.
0: What about the? Uh, da, 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 da? It's,
1: it's. You did it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: is
1: it called? So how blessed fortitude was basically. Evasion, but for fort saves, this is very similar to improved evasion, but with fort saves. So, you still have the regular effects of Blessed Fortitude. If you succeed at a fort save that has a diminished effect, when saved, you ignore the diminished effect. But now, if you fail a fortitude saving throw against a spell out effect that deals damage, including ability damage and ability drain, you take only half the amount of damage, even when you fail. If you're helpless, you don't get the benefits of this. That's a really good one. I love it. Even when you fail, you're still only taking half damage. I love it a lot. And that's the whole archetype. That's it. That's the whole thing. So, again, if you want to be a monk war priest, there's no reason not to take this. Yeah, that, that. No, ya da da
0: ta ta So okay. now it's like, yeah, that, you know.
1: <laughs> I know you probably made your character that just to annoy me now.
0: <laughs> I guess we'll see. Am I... And by we'll see, I mean I didn't do that at all. I did not do that archetype at all. I went with a regular war priest because they aren't – you guys may notice this. If it's not like my favorite class or if I find it uninteresting, I'll just do the standard because I don't know quite how to build them. But this war priest, I I thought of a theme. Uh, Guys, all right. You ready to see this, Christian? No. So don't do it. I did negatives. For once, there's three negative stats. Wow. Yeah, I know. You dirty, dirty <laughs> minmaxer. <laughs> uh I did do some negatives. I have a lot in strength. I have uh, a good portion in con, and then a little bit in wisdom. Obviously, the wisdom's for my spell casting, but the con and strength, because I'm going to be up in front with a Warhammer. I picked, um, for my deity, I picked Torag because his favorite weapon is a Warhammer. And he is a good aligned. He's a lawful good priest, which we know means a lot for the war priest. And also, god. also since
1: you're an Oried, Orieds are like kind of related to the dwarves in Pathfinder, and
0: Torag is the dwarven god, like one of the main dwarven gods. So it makes sense that you would. Sure, I knew that, and that's why I picked that. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. Uh, <laughs> I picked an Oried because they have a, a wisdom and con, and both those things I wanted. Uh, they had negative intelligence. That's why it went down a little bit, and then I put down the rest to boost my con- my strength up to twenty. I'm level five, so I was only able to put in one ability square bonus. Uh, but now that I have this, the the weapon doesn't matter. It was just for flavor. I just wanted him to have warhammer for whatever reason, uh, because you know, with our sacred weapon, it just depends on the size of the weapon. It doesn't care. It could be a I could have a scythe. It's still going to do one d8 damage at this level, if you chose to do one d8. Right. If I chose to make it my sacred weapon. So I have my Warhammer. And I do I hold it with two hands to get my uh, half bonus to my strength modifier. So it's 1d8 plus 7 as opposed to 1d8 plus 5. And for my my blessings, I picked Earth Blessing, because uh, at yeah, uh, you're, you're uh, a rock guy. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. a rock guy who, by the way, wears plate mail. <laughs> <laughs> I always sounded so funny that Orids wear armor. Uh, I'll talk about something special about the plate mail in a second. But I picked uh, Earth Blessing, which allows me to do acid damage with my weapon because uh, a lot of my focus here is on my weapon. And it allows me at level 10 later on to be able to uh, increase my AC. I'm sorry, for my allies AC. And then Protection Blessing, which allows me now to help my own AC and to boost my saving throws, which is good because my saving throws, my reflex is only a plus one. And it'd be a plus zero if I didn't pick a certain trait. Uh, because I have no um, I have negative dex. So uh, I got a good fort and a good will save, though, which is good. Uh, for my one uh, combat bonus feat, I picked Power Attack. And we'll see just why in just a second. First off, it's just a plain old good feat. Yeah. It's well well, well used. Uh, but I picked something that isn't a good feat in the second. I'll talk about that. But what I did pick was um, Furious Focus. Uh, when you're wielding a two-handed weapon or a one-handed weapon with two hands, which I am and you're using the power attack feat, you don't suffer your power attacks penalty on melee attack rolls on the first attack you make each turn. You do on the rest of them, but that won't matter to me because I'm going to be trying to cleave a bunch of times, and that's a standard action, so I'm not going to get my iterative attacks. Cleave, generally uh, not a good feat. There's other ways to accomplish what it's trying to do in better ways. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, but it is fun, and it's definitely a flavorful. So my idea is like this big rock guy that comes in and it makes a big swing. One power attack swing, tries to hit a couple people in front of him. Uh, Cleave, if you don't know, just means I can hit people adjacent to the first guy I hit. Um, I just noticed this. Maybe I was wrong. I guess I was wrong. If you hit, you deal damage normally, and can make an additional attack against a foe. I don't know if that counts. Oh, no, using your full base attack bonus. All right, cool, cool, cool. I almost thought I ruined everything I thought was so cool. Um, and I get a minus two to my AC, which is one of the reasons I picked uh, the protection, so that I can boost my AC and I won't lose too much. And then I have pushing assault, which means uh, if I hit somebody successfully with my power attack, instead of doing the extra damage, I can choose to push him back. So I have this awesome idea of him just like hitting three people and them all going back five feet, or if I crit them, I go back ten feet. And later on, I can, can continue down the, the cleave uh, feet chain to boost the cleave in more ways. There's a thing where like, if, even if they're, they're not next to each other, I can still make a second attack against the guy uh, as long as they're in my range and other stuff you can do with your cleave. I picked a Def Dodger to boost up. It's a trait for to boost up my reflex by one, and Arcane Temper, which gives me a plus one on concentration checks, which doesn't really matter because I am uh, i don't need them for Divine right. Well, if you cast defensively, you do. Okay, well, that, and but the main one was that um, I get uh, one of in my initiative checks. I figured both was okay, because uh, my initiative uh, would have been negative one. Ooh,
1: yeah. Well, actually, I think,
0: Can you have negative one? Yes. Uh, yep, you can have negative initiative. So at least it's zero. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm sacrificing a lot just to make sure I can hit the guy, and when I do, I do damage. I do 1d8 plus 7 plus 1d4 acid damage. Plus the power attack bonus, which is plus three when it's wielded in two hands at this level. Yeah. So I end up
1: doing 1d8 plus ten. And you can also use your sacred weapon to give the weapon plus
0: one. Right. And then, of course, you know, all the other things the War Priest can do uh, adds on to that. So that was that was my idea, my my theme. And, of course, I'll be picking a lot of spells that can boost me uh, and boost my eyes, of course, since I can change them out, whatever's good for the scenario. You had mentioned something about your armor. Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. Uh, because I, I only get five skill points. So... <laughs> yeah, you get one per level. When I saw that int drop, I was like, ooh, yeah, that's a real, that's a painful spot for war priest. Uh, so I, I every every favored class bonus. Uh, if you remember, every time you level up, you get to pick one extra strength, uh, one extra HP, or one extra skill point or if based on your class and your race, something else. So I always pick skill points, and now I have 10 skill points I can spend, which means I can't even put one on each class skill I have. But uh, that means I'm real pathetic when it comes to certain uh, skills. The strength skills, I'm good, uh, and, and, and wisdom and combat skills. So like I got a plus six to survival, uh, plus six to swim and heal, handle animals only two, uh, knowledges are three, but there's a lot of them that are like my ride is minus four, my acrobatics is minus four, my disguise is minus two. I got a lot of minuses going on. So the last thing I want is is armor check penalties. So I I know I'm only level five. That way I didn't do a whole lot of stuff, but I did make a full plate out of mithril so that I could at least have a minus minus three armor penalty instead of and that's where all your money went. Yeah. <laughs> instead of uh, minus six, so I cut it in half. Nice. So I can at least be passable on some of the things. I at least can maybe not drown. <laughs> that's my war priest. I like it. I
1: didn't realize the way pushing assault is worded. It does work with cleave as far as I can tell. So that's a really neat
0: idea, knocking a bunch of people back. I like that. Right. And and hopefully, you know, my jam will throw me a, a lot of cliff battles. Yeah. Get close <laughs> to him push him off the cliff. He'll
1: throw you a lot of tiny people that like to get
0: around Yeah. <laughs> Like the bunch up close, a lot of uh, rat folk and goblins and kobolds. Tell me about your guy that just, by the laws of man, has to be more interesting than mine. <laughs> well, I had mentioned before that I have played a war priest. That's why
1: I know a lot about them. I have experienced war priest. I was in a relatively short campaign arc. It was a very dungeon crawly campaign, and I knew that going into it. I joined the campaign at like level five or six. I forget which. And I stayed in the campaign to level 14, but it was basically, like, we leveled up almost every session or every other session because it was just, like, one level of dungeon crawl, and once you beat that, you'd level up in the next level of dungeon crawl. And we were going up a tower kind of thing. Oh, that's neat. So going into it, like, they asked me, like, someone dropped out at level 5, and they're like, hey... Wait, wait
0: what's at the top of a tower? Is it a lich or a dragon or a powerful caster? I don't, a I don't want to
1: say because it is something online that uh, people can oh, play. Okay, it's Jacob's okay. Tower if anyone's played that.
0: Okay, so is it Jacob?
1: Yeah, actually. <laughs> <Juckab>. <laughs> there was other surprises
0: in there, though. Um, so I- <laughs> At the very top, when you fight Jacob, whatever he is, let's just call him the human king, right? You get up to the king, and there's, like, a trapdoor. that brings you all the way down to the first floor again, and he respawns all the creatures. Well, I'm
1: I was all 14 by then, so I wouldn't be scared of the uh, level one floor.
0: Yeah, well, I'd be scared of the... 24 job. that might be some damage there hope you have feather fall sir i had, it's just like, you always wondered why there was the center column it's this, so weird like it's in every one
1: <laughs> now that there were some other story elements at the top that uh let's just say i wasn't a big fan of. Okay. of. anyone who played jacob tower might know what i'm talking about based on our other podcasts but um going in like, someone, they had a Barbarian that dropped out level 5. They they couldn't play anymore. So they're like, hey, Christian, you want to play? And I was like, sure. And the party composition at it's the time... It's always great
0: to be somebody's second choice. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so the party composition at the time was a fighter, uh archer ninja, and a bard who, like, specifically buffed people. So I was like, okay, they don't have a Divine Caster, and it would be nice to have someone else in melee. Right. So I went with Warpriest. A and...
0: frontliner, as it were. Yeah. I want know what that is, I think we have a whole episode on party roles you should check out.
1: I actually made this character more of a midliner. Um, I chose Gorum as my deity. I'm a Warpriest of Gorum, so I very much like battle. I live for battle. The excitement of battle. Uh, when she's not in battle, she's basically terribly bored by everything that's going on because it feels inconsequential. Okay. Because it's not Mortal combat. Now Gorum's favorite weapon is a great sword, but I we had this frontliner already in the fighter, and I was like, I kind of want, I kind of want to be this in between person. So I actually chose a reach weapon. I grabbed a bardish. I think is how you say that weapon's
0: name. I don't know. It looks weird. Basically, kind of like a glaive. For Italian, It's a bardici. I <laughs> had <laughs> him with my bardici. What's your favorite pasta? I like penne. Mine's a favorite is a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then I have a lot of ways to enlarge myself, which gives me even more reach. So I'm, I kind of want to be this midliner. Like, we have the fighter that's already in the front, and then I have my reach weapon. And I can make combat maneuver checks with my reach weapon without provoking attacks of opportunity. So I have that utility there. I have my utility from being a war priest in addition to being this person that can beat people up if needed.
0: Okay.
1: So she is a human.
0: Come on. You got all these interesting races One. to pick, and you pick human.
1: The rest of the party was actually mostly not human, so I was almost unique in that fashion. Oh, and you get
0: to be a special flower. Also, um, I'm messing with you. I'm making a joke because I remember we talked about how like everybody's like, why can't you be a human? Why does everyone have to be right, something else? Yeah. It's interesting to be a human in a world of non-humans.
1: The big reason I picked human actually was for the bonus skill point per level they get because Warpri Sony gets two. And I didn't plan on pumping my int at all, so I just wanted a few more skills per level. Okay. And I also, instead of getting the regular bonus feat that humans get, I chose another option where you specifically get skill focus as a bonus feat. And then every roughly seven levels or so, you get skill focus again as a bonus feat. And then we'll get into the feats I picked later. Uh, for my abilities... I
0: trust you put it all in perception.
1: <laughs> actually, no. <gasps> The rest of my party had that covered. I, didn't, dun, dun, I was dun. terrible at perception. No. People thought I was a barbarian. So onto my ability scores. Let's just go down the line. Again, high strength. I wanted to wield a melee weapon. I started out at like 17, and as I leveled up, I put my level up points into it, and I got items to increase my strength over time. I have an acceptable amount of dexterity. Constitution, and Wisdom. They're all sitting at 14. My Int is 10, and my Charisma is... I did drop Charisma to 8. Specifically, I dropped Charisma. Not a very likable person, like I said. Very distant, very uninterested in most things that are happening if they're not fighting. As a war priest of Gorum, the two blessings I chose were the Glory Blessing and the Strength Blessing. The one I used the majority of the time was a Strength Blessing. As a Swift Action... I can focus my strength and gain an enhancement bonus equal to half my Warpriest level on attack rolls, combat maneuver checks, and strength-based skills, and strength checks for one round. So this is what allowed me to land attack rolls when I needed to, like, really wanted to land them. Uh, The strength-based skills and strength-based checks were also very, very useful. Half my Warpriest level is pretty significant if you're trying to, like, break down a door or something.
0: Especially at level 16.
1: And definitely the combat maneuvers. That one was actually really big. Because, like I had mentioned, I have a reach weapon so I can make most combat maneuvers without provoking an attack of opportunity. And a rule to remember when you make maneuver checks is that if you're making a combat maneuver with a weapon, all bonuses that would apply to that weapon apply to the combat maneuver. So I have, like, weapon focus with my bardish. I have enhancement bonuses on my bardish. All that would stack with a combat maneuver I was attempting to make. And all the buffs from my bard I had mentioned earlier. Cool. A little 10 in the Strength Blessing, as a swift action, I can ignore movement penalties from wearing heavier armors. And I also add my Strength Modifier on saving throws against effects that cause you to become entangled, staggered, or paralyzed. Uh, That's actually pretty good, that last part, but it never really came into play. i had a lot of better stuff to be using with my swift action. For the Glory Blessing, uh, as a standard action, I could touch me or an ally and grant them a basically Sanctuary. As in, people have to make will saves to attack you. But typically with Sanctuary, once you attack someone, the effect just ends. Uh, with the Glory Blessing, once you attack someone, the effect only ends in regards to that one person. So you can basically kind of 1v1 someone if everyone else is failing their will saves to attack you.
0: That's interesting. That one... You can have a better Sanctuary than other people at first level.
1: Yeah, that's a, that was a really helpful one. Even though the will save wasn't that high, uh, because it didn't end unless I specifically attacked someone, I could keep it up for a long time throughout a fight. That's interesting, and then the level ten ability is uh whenever I successfully damage an opponent with a melee attack or an attack spell, I can as a swift action demoralize them with the intimidate spell
0: skill yeah,
1: with the intimidate skill, and that's actually intimidate's actually a big factor of this character. I actually did a lot of things in regards to intimidating
0: and it says here it probably didn't matter to you, but uh, you could also use your war priest level, so if you didn't have any points to intimidate, you still got plus fourteen right. I really, I want to say,
1: abused the bonus feats that the Warpriest gets. I really like the, that ability. I think it's one of the most important ones for priests. so I very carefully selected them. For my favorite class bonus for being a Warpriest, one of the human options is you get plus one six of a bonus combat feat. So every six levels, I was getting two feats where I count as full BAB instead of just one feat where I was full BAB. The really important ones I chose were Vital Strike at level 6, which allows me to roll my weapon damage twice, which is a really good one to get because Warpriest can't attack twice because they're not full BAB at level 6, so this is kind of like pseudo-attacking twice. And then I also got Lunge at level 6, which is you increase your range of your attack by 5 feet at the expense of minus 2 AC. I would normally have to wait until level 8 to take that, but I could take it at level 6. And I had, with my reach weapon, essentially 15-foot reach when I use lunge. And then if I enlarge person myself, I would have 20-foot reach. Wow. So I was really good at controlling the battlefield. You did, man. It should not be up in the front. And then most of the other stuff I picked involved criticals. Gotcha. Uh, Bardish crits on a 19, and I got him stuff like improved critical and critical focus. And then the other big feat I picked was combat reflexes. I can make an additional two attacks of opportunity per round uh, for a total of three. And I can take attacks of opportunity while flat-footed, which was really good because I had a really low initiative, much lower than everyone else.
0: Gotcha. At least it's not a, a minus one.
1: Yeah, it's a plus three at the moment. and I think, it, that, I think that's what it was for the most of the game. So even though I didn't go yet and I was technically flat-footed, like, enemies couldn't just walk by me to get to the rest of my party because they would invoke attacks of opportunity. Gotcha. All my spells are just, for the most part, self-buff spells. The most important ones being Divine Favor, a bonus on attack and damage rolls. I cast that on myself as a swift action basically almost every fight. Remove Fear. So if, even though I was really intending on never failing a fear, fear save, because that's actually a big Gorum thing, I did take Remove Fear for my allies in, in case it happened to me myself. Because getting feared out of a fight is really obnoxious.
0: My goodness, at level 16, your saves are ridiculous. 4 2 to 17, Reflex is 12, what? and Will is 21.
1: Yeah, the Will saves is a really, really important one. I pumped that as much as I could. And it also, I have bonuses for my traits and such against fear. Gotcha. A line Weapon was a really good one. I actually had to ask my DM about this. With Warpriest, are spending fervor. You're supposed to only be able to cast spells on yourself as a swift action. It doesn't explicitly say spells on your weapon as a swift action. So I asked my DM, I was like, hey, if I apply a spell to my weapon, can it be a swift action for Fervor? And they're like, I'm fine with that, that's okay.
0: Yeah, that makes sense that it should be.
1: So a line weapon was a really good one, so if we fought any... We were, like I said, it was a dungeon crawl, so there was, like, demons coming out of nowhere and, like, certain types of outsiders that had very strange resistances. I could be like, okay, whatever, my weapon's archaic now, or whatever it needs to be. Uh, Spells like Cure Serious Wounds are very useful um you're kind of like a paladin that you can expend that to heal yourself as a swift action that's useful sometimes and the most important ones are things like blessing of fervor where it's kind of like cleric's version of haste that i can cast on myself as a swift action freedom of movement so i can't be grappled or tripped or anything like that and righteous might where i just kind of randomly become gigantic and it stacks with a large person so i could actually at one point i actually did become um what's the size above large
0: not gargantuan? Gargantuan? Uh, no, I think... Huge. Gar- hu- yeah, I, Large, actually, I could huge, become... Gargantuan a hu- colossal.
1: I became a huge creature at one point. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Skills, I didn't get a lot. <laughs> and you were a girl, right? Yeah.
0: Have you seen, dude, where's my car? No, actually. It's like, the girl, like, goes up to 500 times. That's her. So you, <laughs> you've made her. And, like, the, the movie just had, like, terrible, like, teenage humor throughout the entire movie. My favorite humor. <laughs> I know, like... like So like when the girl gets big, there's a a father with his little kid, and the little kid goes, Daddy, I want to go on that ride. He's like, me too, son. (laughs) That that movie had the the stupidest humor like. (laughs) They both got tattoos on their backs. They couldn't read their own tattoo. And he goes, dude, what does mine say? And it says sweet. And he goes, sweet, what does mine say? And it says dude. So he goes, dude, what does mine say? Sweet, (laughs) what does mine say? Dude, what does mine say? (laughs) And it lasts for way longer than it should. have perfect movie, 10 out of 10, recommend to everybody.
1: That was Ashton Kutcher, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ashton Kutcher. Thank you. I didn't get a lot of skill points. I didn't really need a lot of skill points. I had a bard and I had a rogue that basically took care of it. So I just kind of wanted to do what I did. So that was Intimidate. Uh, At level 14, my Intimidate sitting at a plus 32. Yikes. Yeah, uh, I took Skill Focus Intimidate with my...
0: You could Intimidate Cthulhu. Yeah. Maybe... like, whoa! As rules as written, maybe I could have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not a fan of these three-dimensional objects. <laughs> <laughs> I can only perceive them as a 4D object. <laughs> <laughs> I took Skill Focus Intimidate, and I also took the feat called... Oh, what is it? Intimidating Prowess or something like that, where I can add my Strength Modifier to my Intimidate checks. Nice. That's one of the reasons why it's so high, and it gets higher as I buff myself. And I have that ability, you know, at level 10, when I hit someone, I can demoralize as a swift action. When we get into my feats, I have a few more things involving Intimidate. And then the rest kind of didn't matter. I just gave myself enough to get by, swimming and climbing, because I'm really strong. I'm actually pretty good at heel checks.
0: How is your heel so high? It's at, uh, you only have five points in it, but it's at a plus 17.
1: That's another one I picked uh, skill focus in. Oh, I get okay. skill focus every, like, seven levels or so, and that was the second one I picked.
0: Yeah, you've got no points of perception. It's not a class skill. It's Plus six. I'm very disappointed.
1: It's only plus six because of, like, some miscellaneous bonuses from spells, probably, <laughs> that I left on in the sheet. Uh, the heal one, I actually went high into heal. I didn't need to, and it almost never came up. But the reason it's so high in the heal is that the character was very interested in people's wounds and would, like, sketch people's wounds and be like, oh, yeah, it's a good one. Give me a minute. I'll heal you after I draw it.
0: (laughs) This one looks like a butterfly.
1: For my feats, I also chose Furious Focus because I don't want to suffer attack rolls on my power attacks. I used Vital Strike a lot, so I was only making one attack around. But usually my first attack would almost always hit with this character. You know, stereotypical power like attack. like
0: you said, since we're three-fourths BAB, you're not getting your hit of attacks real early. Mm-hmm. I only had, like,
1: two by the end of this campaign, while the fighter had, like, eight because he was two-weapon fighting right. and had haste on him all the time. I have toughness to increase my hit points, and then I have all the stuff involving intimidate. I took dazzling display, mostly because it was a prerequisite, but I could intimidate everyone within 30 feet with my weapon if I chose to as a standard action And then I chose Shattering Defenses. Anytime someone is shaken, frightened, or panic, and I hit them with a melee attack, they're flat-footed until the end of their next turn.
0: Which is something they'll be, because you'll be constantly uh, demoralizing them.
1: Right, I could do it as a standard action to everyone, I could use my one ability to do it as a swift action, or if I just couldn't get close enough, my ranged attacks weren't great, so I would just yell at someone really loud and hopefully scare them.
0: (laughs) I don't like you, specific guy (laughs) in the green shirt. Me? Me? <laughs> yes! You! And then
1: I also took Iron Will and Improved Iron Will because I really wanted to be good at will saves.
0: You succeeded. Yeah.
1: I I mean, Warpriests have good will saves, and then they have Wisdom on top of that. And then I took Improved Iron Will and stuff. So I basically succeeded at almost every will save in the game. I had the highest will save. I was very stoic in my approach to everything. And then the two traits I picked were Courageous to give me a bonus to my... Saving throws against fear, even more so. And then something with Gorum that gives me a bonus on initiative checks. Like I mentioned, my weapon was a Bardish. I gave it plus one, plus two, plus three as fast as possible so that when I enhanced the weapon, it became a plus five weapon and I overcome every type of DR, essentially, that wasn't, like, alignment-based.
0: I constantly forget that you overcome DR based on... uh... Enhancement. Like, oh, Enhancement bonus, whatever. Whatever plus it is that if you're at, like, plus one now, it considers magic. I constantly forget that.
1: Yeah, it was one that came up a lot since it was a dungeon crawl. So right. I really wanted to be able Because, like, random stuff will come out and be like, oh, it's this really weird demon that you'd never seen before that has no reason to be here, and it has a really specific type of
0: DR. And I was like, all right, my weapon's plus five. I don't care. I'm just going to hit it. So your weapon, without, without any spells active, without power attack, with nothing on, you're... Bardiche that you have, uh, just considering it has a sacred weapon, you're doing a plus twenty two and a plus seventeen, and your damage is one d ten plus fifteen. That's without any of the awesome things that you're able to do. Yeah, once I started power
1: attacking and putting enhancements on my weapons, it got the numbers got kind of crazy. I was doing potentially if I hit with both my attacks, like sixty to over 100 a hundred damage around.
0: I see you got a normal javelin just to keep yourself at range if you have to.
1: Yeah, um, I have a in case. I got into an enclosed area where I couldn't really use my bardiche to uh, good effect. I would equip an iron warhammer and uh, a shield backup, so instead of being this reach person, I could fight in melee, like, right up against people. My armor stayed medium for the most part, and then eventually I got heavy armor, and it never really came much into account. My AC wasn't a big factor, because I basically got hit all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if it, 26 AC! Yeah,
1: that's at level 14. That's really bad, actually. You got a lot of magic items. Yeah. Um it was all the standard affair. Like I said it was a dungeon crawl, so basically a bunch of very generic bonuses, a good cloak of resistance, a good belt of strength, a good all armor boosting items, headbands that give me more wisdom. Um I always kept a potion of like heroism on myself.
0: I didn't know ring of evasion existed. What is this? You um give it you gives evasion? you
1: it just gives you evasion. Which was... My- I'm buying this on every character. It's really expensive. It's 25,000 gold. Don't
0: care. I'll sell one of my party memories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which was really important because I only have, without heroism on, plus 10 reflex. Yay. So when I did succeed at my reflex saving throws, um, which wasn't often, but when I did, I completely evaded them. And that actually happened a lot. I got very lucky with that. And I'm really glad I had the Ring of Evasion. Because it covered one of my main weaknesses.
0: Yeah, because once you get to the top and Jacob, who is a dragon... Uh-
1: I can't say. <laughs> I, I actually cannot say this that. This is
0: fire breath. I'm gonna keep guessing at what this is. <laughs> Let's just say you kind of haven't been wrong yet. I don't know. I said a king, a dragon, a li- he's a lich dragon king. Sure, <laughs> there is no Draco Lich in Pathfinder, and there needs to be. They did release like an undead, brought back to life skeletal dragon kind of thing, but he wasn't a lich himself. We need we need lich dragons. Come on, Pathfinder, Paizo, get on it.
1: The only other important magic item for me to mention is the winged boots. I can't fly normally. They let me fly, which was a really really big deal. I could actually contribute, especially to fights.
0: because Jacob's a dragon. Uh huh.
1: Well, I mean, I was huge at
0: the time. Just so grab and pull if, if him he back out of the ground. I, no flying. We fought a dragon. This I, I, is a no flying <laughs> zone. Oh, sorry, girl. This is a no flying zone. I don't know how to do like. I can do a big guy. I don't have like a, a large girl. I can't do it. <laughs> it just sounds like some old hag. Wow. This is a no flying zone. All right, Grandma, fine.
1: How come she has to be large? Why are you stereotyping her like that? Because Maybe she's a little anime girl with a giant weapon. You never think of that? You have. A large, Maybe
0: she's my waifu. You have a large person. That's why. That <laughs> <She> doesn't mean <laughs> she's not a little anime girl. I didn't mean she was like snoo <laughs> snoo. <laughs> I'd naturally like. Well, let's, let's look at your personal tab christian oh no wait no <laughs> she is 25 years old she's 5 foot 10 and she's 185 well lean 185 or somebody's supposed to be this powerful i mean it's just a picture i found well, yeah of course it's a... no it's a picture you drew <laughs> i can't draw actually it looks like the stereotypical it's armor nothing but my breast and crotch no
1: it wasn't like that i had to find a different picture. Uh-huh, uh-huh. it wasn't like that yeah.
0: <laughs> You weren't there, you don't understand. Yeah, sure, Christian. We all understand. Actually, did you play
1: Darkest Dungeon, by chance? No. Uh, I actually based the character off a character from there. If anyone has played Darkest Dungeon, the RPG, um, the Helion, I think it's called, which is essentially the barbarian of the game, that was my inspiration for this character.
0: She's white, uh-huh, with red-brown hair. All right, at least she got a little bit of red in there. Couldn't go <laughs> quite unique enough. The most um, Make the most bland human you could find. It's great. I actually like it. I'm making all these jokes. It's uh, far more interesting than mine. Uh, it definitely shows that you understood more of what this class is all about. And the the biggest thing was the versatility. Like, I
1: kind of nagged on um, using Fervor to heal yourself because it's, like, that not that useful. I ended up having to do that a lot. Like, because with my Fervor, I could heal myself, and I could cast spells, and I had some other effects. I could channel positive energy. I actually ended up doing each one of those options. Not in the same, like, amount as each other, but I thought I'd only ever be casting spells on myself, but it was like, hey, I'm taking bleed damage, let me heal myself with fervor, so I stop bleeding, and then it was like, oh, everyone just took massive damage from the trap and the healer's unconscious, let me channel positive energy so everyone gets healed a bit.
0: Right, because Jacob had bleeding critical, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah? It was actually a glass golem.
1: Oh! (laughs) That was actually a horrifying fight. (laughs) What's
0: a glass golem like? They look uh, really silly. In the it was like,
1: I, I forget if it was huge or gargantuan, but they just they basically always hit and they cause bleed damage. And like once they hit you, you basically have to back away or else it will kill you.
0: It makes sense. I wouldn't want to fight glass. Like yeah. you could break it, but then it's like, oh wow, now there's a million points of shards. In a in a game that everyone hates called uh, Castlevania 64 for the Nintendo 64, <laughs> which I played and beat several times. I was because... like, who
1: hates Castlevania?
0: Oh, that one. <laughs> I beat it a couple times because it's like one of the only games I had on the N64, so you do what you have. There was one of the cool things in that was you'd be walking by like a pane of, uh, what do you call that glass? Stained glass? Yes. Yeah. And out would come a thing made of glass. And it was actually a pretty interesting uh, beast for a really lame game. <laughs> But with, between my weapon bonuses
1: I could apply and my armor bonuses I could apply and all the spells that I can cast as a swift action, I just had so many options at my fingertips. Right. That, that And that's the big thing that measures power in Pathfinder. Like, I wasn't just a beat stick. I could just walk up to people and throw around action them, but I also have all these other options at my fingertips.
0: Which is good, especially for, I'm guessing, Jacob's Ladder, because any dungeon crawl that's going to last an entire campaign, you're going to be fighting a variety of things. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing, yeah. Whereas in other games, you, you will fight a variety of things if you have a good GM or a good story made, but it'll be over such a long period of time, you have time in between to be like, okay, I'm now I know we're going to fight demons, so I'm going to get an amulet or whatever to help overcome their DR. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to go back to town. Right. I just had, I just had to... Do whatever was most powerful against the widest. Did you number have of like the, the unexplained shopkeeper that kept following you around? Like, yeah, no, even, no. Does it, it actually be like what
1: you buying? In between each tower, you can in between <laughs> each floor, you go to a place to buy stuff, kind of. <laughs> so a, I actually could go back to town in between every time. Nice, nice. In a sense. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, that's the war priest, and with that, we have finished and completed the entire ACG. With the bonus extra credits all done, as we mentioned in the main episode, we'll handle all the other archetypes when we cover those other things, so it'll probably be a while before we get to, let's talk about the fighter and all his archetypes, but when we do, we'll come back to this book. We're not done with you, book. Not by a long shot. <laughs> that took, what, a year? It did. It took uh, over a year. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> we should work on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, Um, check out the 200 series that's going on right now, all about how to GM the game, and uh, thank you all for sticking with us for this uh, ACG series. I hope you guys enjoyed it and that you found some new classes you might be interested in. I certainly did. Some of these, I was was only interested in the Arcanist Arcanist. and the Swashbuckler, and now... Now
1: you're interested in the Arcanist, the Swashbuckler, and any way you can get a bear on the shaman. (laughs) That's
0: right, that's right. (laughs) Uh, but definitely interesting classes I'm glad Paizo, Paizo did a good job good job on these new classes uh, maybe they need to give another pass on some of these archetypes but a definitely good job on the base classes
1: they've been adding archetypes pretty rapidly there's yeah. been a couple books like uh, Advanced Class Origins that have some pretty interesting archetypes for a lot of these
0: cool cool alright guys thank you everyone for staying for extra credit Classes dismissed Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network visit our site for other great Pathfinder podcasts. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening.